Deadwood Soundwell. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Not safe for work. Welcome to Not Safe for Network. I'm Biggs. And I'm Brandon. We reported on this over a year ago. This was November of 2020 that we put this story out. I have a source, and I'm just going to kind of walk through this again because it was on a different podcast. But I had a source that I feel like is very, very reliable. I know a couple of people in L.A. who are, like, connected to things. And one of them told me that Lorne Michaels was going to step down in a while, and he had a list of people for a succession plan to take over Saturday Night Live. And if you guys want to go back and listen to it, it's a box office battle episode from November 2020. But I'm going to kind of go over the bullet points of this again because it has become relevant now. Like I put it out and the funny thing was last week I started thinking, man, I wish I hadn't done that podcast because I was just like, it's been a while and it clearly isn't happening. So like, I just wish I hadn't done it. And then the news drops. Well, here, let me read the quote. You know, I think I'm committed to doing the show until it's 50th anniversary, which is in three years. I'd like to see that through, and I have a feeling that it'd be a really good time to leave. I won't want the show ever to be bad. I care too deeply about it. It's been my life's work, so I'm going to do everything I can to see it on. So he then went on to say that he had a succession plan, but he wasn't ready to reveal it yet. And he had a pretty good idea of which way it was going. We reported on that short list and the names on that short list to take over Saturday Night Live when he went, at the time anyway, because these things could change. But it was Keenan Thompson, Seth Meyers, Tina Fey, John Mulaney, or Adam McKay. Now, have you advanced your thoughts at all since we had that conversation? No, I haven't really thought about it too much. But where we kind of left that off, the couple of front runners that we had out of that short list... I think are still contenders with yeah. the exception of probably Adam McKay just because he's got a lot of other stuff going on. But let me kind of break down at least my line of thinking then and how it's <laughs> slightly altered since then. Keenan Thompson, I didn't think was very likely. He's been doing sketch comedy for a long time, but hadn't done much on the producer end. However, he is now producing a show. Maybe he started that show because he knew it was a possibility and was kind of showing he could do it. So that kind of bolsters the idea to me that Keenan Thompson is for sure on that list. I think he's a little more likely now than he was before. Seth Myers, I think we decided he wasn't very likely because he's got his own talk show and being a comedian and getting a talk show like that, like that's kind of the pinnacle of what you can do in comedy, right? Like you're basically doing a monologue five nights a week. You've got an audience and you're running the show and you're writing sketches. Yeah. You have the final say on everything. Like you really can't climb higher on that ladder. And if he goes to SNL, he's going to be behind the camera the whole time. And he was a head writer in SNL, but you'll remember he was in front of the camera the whole time too. It feels weird to me that he would step up into that position. So John Mulaney on the list, right? Like we didn't think it was terribly likely, but I did think maybe that name was on the list in case they did go with Seth Meyers. And then maybe like you have John Mulaney locked up in a contract and you bring him over to host Seth Meyers show, right? Because Lorne Michaels had just signed John Mulaney already. So I think that's a possibility. You got Adam McKay, who has produced a lot of things I think would be a natural at this. 
But I also kind of wonder if he would do it because he's found a lot of success in the productions that he's doing. He's producing Succession right now. He's done a few movies that have gotten a lot of acclaim. Yeah. And lately he's been doing the kind of biting satire thing, which actually like fits really well with SNL. But it makes me wonder if he wants this whole thing when he's got his own thing going already. And then Tina Fey, I think, was the one we all settled on and was like, that seems like a natural fit because she was a head writer of Saturday Night Live for a while. Then she went on and ran 30 Rock while also being in front of the camera. And then she goes and runs Kimmy Schmidt. She's got that Mr. Mayor show on right now. Like she had another show that didn't do super well. She's produced a bunch of movies. Like to me, she feels like the natural fit to this thing. I would totally agree with that. And that's kind of where we left that last thought and I haven't really wavered from that all of these could happen for sure i kind of doubt Mulaney's gonna happen to be honest didn't he have like some substance problems that kind of came out recently there have been a few groups that have kind of called him to task for some of the stuff in his stand-up yeah i mean not not nothing like a dave Chappelle, but like there's a few comments. Yeah, he's not actively trying to piss off people. Yeah. <laughs> Ch- Chappelle seems to be doing. But I feel like Mulaney, he's probably going to be a hard sell to NBC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if you have substance problems, it's probably a hard sell to have him run this thing that's been a key part of NBC for damn near 50 years at this point. So that feels like maybe it's a bridge too far, but I don't know. I like Mulaney. I think he could do a good job. I just think when you look at the other names on the list, I'm not so sure that he would get it. So just wanted to reiterate, we called it in November 2020. (laughs) We put out the short list. We're reiterating it right now. So just remember where you heard it. We don't break news very often. Usually we're kind of an aggregate and we like riff off of the stuff in the news and speculate. But we have an actual source for this. And I'm telling you guys, I think it's legit. And I'm betting one of these names winds up being at the top. So moving on, Jeff Garland was fired from the Goldbergs. Uh, Multiple members of the crew said he was verbally and emotionally abusive. They will craft remaining episodes around him using old footage and a stand-in for, like, back scenes where he's in a group or whatever. But they're basically finishing out the season without him. It was going to be their last season anyway. One of the things I read was there was an assistant cameraman or camera person, I guess, and she had reported that he was being verbally and emotionally uh, abusive to him. And he did this thing where he would say vagina to try and make people laugh over and over again with the crew. And she reported it to HR. And so when he found out that she had reported it, he literally like grabbed her and was like saying vagina over and over again to her. And I think that might have been the reason why he got the axe, dude. I, I really like the Goldbergs. I really like Kirby Enthusiasm. I don't know how I feel about Jeff Garland, to be honest. Like even before this, this is a conversation I was having with Carl last week. And for whatever reason, it didn't make it into the podcast. But I specifically remember he had a podcast for a while. Jeff Garland did. Yeah. And I listened to a couple of the episodes and I feel like he had like Rosemary DeWitt on it, I think. And there was this nude scene with her and she kept saying like it was a body double. It wasn't me. But he kept making super uncomfortable jokes about it. And you could kind of hear that she didn't really appreciate it and felt uncomfortable by it. But he just kept doubling down and tripling down and he was doing it in front of an audience. And I almost felt like he felt maybe shielded by it because he had an audience. So like she kind of had to go along with it, you know. And I just there's like things like that that just hit me wrong sometimes when I hear 
hear them. And then you hear something like this and you're like, oh, yeah. Like I just immediately it, it recalls in my mind because it was a really shitty moment for Jeff Garland. And I absolutely believe he probably did a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, I believe it as well. And then just been watching Curb Your Enthusiasm and it doesn't seem like he's really far from his personality like, yeah. on that show, like his actual personality. I mean, he's playing a fictional character, obviously, but it doesn't seem like it's a person very far from himself. Yeah, I would agree with that. So it, I wasn't shocked when I read this. So I, I kind of wish it would have happened sooner. If you're in at somebody's office and you're making vagina jokes and then that goes to HR and then you grab them and start saying vagina over and over again, what job are you not? going to get fired from for doing that. You know what I mean? I know I would be fired from my job if I did that. Yeah, I would have to be too. <laughs> like that's a normal thing. And I think sometimes people lose sight of that because they're comedians or whatnot. But like you're not playing blue to an audience when you're on a sitcom and there's no audience there and it's just like cameramen and stuff. You know what I mean? Like and it seems like a lot of people were complaining about it too. It wasn't just like this one lady. I just think that was the, the incident that really put it over the top yeah yeah exactly you gotta be appropriate just plain simple and you're on the goldbergs it's supposed to be a family comedy you know what i mean yeah they're not having jokes about vaginas all the time in the goldbergs they're just not like maybe you could get away with that shit and like curb your enthusiasm a bit because it is like a lot of swearing and screaming and they're improvising stuff but that is not the case for the goldbergs at all it's just a completely different environment fuck he's working for disney there yeah (laughs) you know what i mean it's just like people need to learn to be appropriate keep your mouth shut a little bit you know so i read that article and then i was made the mistake of started reading comments and you know it was the whole there was a lot of the i can't believe this cancel culture i'm like but the same thing applies i did that in my job i should be fired let's be honest a lot of people putting cancel culture think they should be able to do that at their job right yeah a lot of people using the term cancel culture not exactly like, uh, sensitive oh, to other people I I mean, I would do that, so it should be fine. Right. Yeah, Yeah, and it's not. It's not. (laughs) So Batgirl has added Michael Keaton to the official cast list. So apparently we're not just getting him in Flashpoint. He's going to go over to Batgirl. Do we think they're going to do like a Batman Beyond thing here? Are are you familiar with Batman Beyond? Is that the one with the old Batman? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's essentially Batman is old as shit, and then he finds a kid to take over the mantle of Batman, and then he kind of like tells him what to do in an earpiece and helps him figure stuff out. The man in the chair. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the Ned Leeds of this. (laughs) And so I'm wondering if that's what they're going to do with Michael Keaton. You think there's any veracity to that? I don't think he's going to be doing a lot of stunts and that kind of stuff. Why not? I saw him as the vulture. He was all over the place. (laughs) He is flying everywhere, dude. So I'm in Birdman, too. He's flying in that, too. He can fly as Batman, right? (laughs) (laughs) He did get bitten by a radioactive bat. So I wonder if Batgirl got, like, a blood transfusion from Batman, and that's how she got her powers. You think? Batman doesn't have powers. He's got money. (laughs) That's the most powerful thing of all, Brandon. (laughs) Are you down for this? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Do you want to see Joss Whedon come back in the director's seat? Hell no. (laughs) See Jeff Garland. (laughs) There's a reason why I put these together in my notes. (laughs) 
Okay, I want to give you a chance to gush about Spider-Man because Carl and I went and recorded a couple days after it premiered and you didn't get a chance and I figure you probably have some thoughts, right? I'll just happen you know I only cried three times. (laughs) (laughs) Only three times? One for the obvious spoiler. Oh, dude, we're spoiling everything. We gave him a week. We gave him a week. I gave a spoiler warning before we talked about it. So here, consider it a spoiler warning. Yeah. So when Aunt May dies, like, they did a great job with that scene. Like, it was emotional. It's weird. I saw the source code of it as soon as she was like, I'm all right. I'm like, oh, she's bleeding out. As soon as that bomb went off, I'm like, Aunt May dead. Yeah. And when she's like, I'm fine, I'm like, oh, she's bleeding out and she's going to be the Uncle Ben. Like, I just, I suddenly, like, put it together very quickly. Yeah. yeah, but she had a great farewell in that scene, though. Like, and then there was like a couple other times. Actually, the scene where MJ falls off the crane or scaffolding. Oh, what happens at the end of that scene? MJ doesn't die. And why is that? Because she is saved. And who she saved by? Mister Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I called that one. I'm so yeah. proud of myself for that. Calling it from the trailer when they're trying to make us think there wasn't other Spider-Man. So I actually watched the some guy break down that scene, and it's interesting because he goes and like physically physically yeah. grabs her. Instead I caught of that too. The- he doesn't like use the webbing because her neck snaps when he like grabs the webbing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I told. I totally saw that when I was watching it. I was like, oh, like as soon as she fell, I like sat up in my seat really fast because I was like, is it coming? And then I saw him like dive down and I was like, fuck yes. <laughs> as soon as he's on the ground, like you see like him, he could save MJ like he couldn't save Gwen. Just to see that redemption, I thought it was really touching. Yeah. And it was nice that they like closed off a thing from a different movie franchise too. They were like, it's not enough for grabbing him from it. Let's actually like close off this loop yeah i like that so what was the third time you cried i don't remember it exactly the movie was so good was it when ned found out that he was a villain in another world no <laughs> was it when ned used the sling ring and realized he could do magic no that was all i mean it's all fun but was it when he sees ned he doesn't tell ned who he is and so their friendship effectively ends no no was it when ned didn't get into mit no was it when Ned grabbed the pumpkin bombs and got on a glider and became the Hobgoblin? And Wait, just... I'm thinking about the comics. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> no, Willem Dafoe became the Hobgoblin. No, no, Willem Dafoe is the Green Goblin. No, but he became the Hobgoblin. The Hobgoblin is like the Kirkland brand Green Goblin. Yeah, I mean, he smashed the mask, but he's still messed up in the head. Yeah, yeah. Because the mask was just a terrible prop. (laughs) The insanity was inside him all along. (laughs) Should have been a rubber mask anyway. There's no way they could have made it look good. But I just always think about the costume and the comics and it, you know, it was always a rubber mask. So they could have just painted his face and it would have (laughs) worked. I mean, Wilmington Defoe can play creepy. Yeah. Real well. Oh, yeah. He's real good at that. I love that they made him just super violent and, like, hard to handle. You know what I mean? You're getting a Raimi villain now. You're not getting somebody who's going to, like, pull their punches because you're, like, dating his daughter. You know, or uh, you're not getting somebody who's going to like sidle up to you and put his arm around you and pretend like he's your friend and then only go to kill you when you try and expose him. No, this is a dude who's just like violent. Like he's going to even when he's like had his like, quote, sanity portion, like he still acts like an insane homeless person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Even when he's at his lowest evil, 
it's still like quite a bit to handle. Yeah, I wonder if they can test levels for that to see how evil somebody is. Somebody should do tests on that. Maybe I should. You know, I'm somewhat get, of a scientist myself. Get like a e-meter and like start a church. <laughs> that took, I was just going for the dad joke. I did not expect this to go into Scientology realm. <laughs> What would you give to watch Electro, like, sitting in a chair, being cleared, and just talking about all the stuff that he's done throughout his life? I would love to be the fly on that wall. Yeah, exactly. But not if Spider-Man's nearby, because he's a spider, so that means he eats flies. What's normal for the spider is chaos for the fly. That's right. You got your Spider-Man talk out of you? Yeah. I'm going to say four and eight tenths. Stars out of five. Four and eight tenths star out of five. You know, I didn't think to rate it. Let me think for a second. All right. I am going to go three to the third power out of 14.6. All right. Yeah. Does that work? That probably doesn't work. That's only three like times nine three out of- is nine times three is 27. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Let me go back. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this rating system anyway. <laughs> Uh, no Mephisto in this movie. No. No Mephisto. Unless, we, unless he's was there all along. Well, see, I decided to retire the joke last week, but then Carl immediately Green Goblin like stabbed me in the back and did a Mephisto joke, <laughs> so it's alive again. <laughs> when I watch the Hawkeye finale, Kingpin is really Mephisto. That's what I'm going with because it looks like he's dead. But is he dead? No, because he's Mephisto. <laughs> Wait till you see his Hawaiian shirt. It's great. We'll talk about that later in the episode. (laughs) Back on the Spider-Man tip. So apparently there's a fan campaign right now to make Amazing Spider-Man 3. Is this a thing you would consider watching? I mean, I would watch it just because... Let me rephrase that. Is this a thing you want to watch? Is it something I'm clamoring for? Not really. Is it something I would watch? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if the MCU were doing it, absolutely. Is that what's going to happen here? No. If they actually make an Amazing Spider-Man 3, they'll get like Mark Webb again. It'll be another Sony joint and they'll be like, let's run this into the ground, boys. We're going to actually make the Sinister 6 now, not the Sinister 5, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, we still haven't seen Mr. Sinister. <laughs> That's what you're waiting for in the Sinister 6? You're just waiting for Mr. Sinister? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting take. What is there even to do in Amazing Spider-Man 3 at this point? Like, he got closure with Gwen. What more do you want, you know? I I feel like you're just picking at the scab and it's bleeding again. You know what I mean? Like, just leave it alone. Yeah, let we, that We heal. let him have his hero moment. Super cool. If Marvel wants to do something with him in the future, super cool. Turn it over to Sony to make another one of these? No. (laughs) Didn't we learn? If you listen to some of our bonus content, they'll play in a game, and it's named the spider that said the Spider-Man quote. All of the quotes that I pulled from Amazing Spider-Man and Amazing Spider-Man 2 made me remember how much I forgot about those movies entirely. (laughs) And watching uh, No Way Home, I was like, I don't. Like, I completely spaced that Doc Connors was the freaking villain and the first (laughs) Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, oh, this reminds me. Um, I don't want to forget this. So we are now on Anchor, which means we have a few more bells and whistles to our shows. So if you look in the description of the podcast, if you listen to this on your phone, you will see a link to send a voicemail 
to us. So please tell us a voicemail about whatever you want, what you want to hear, what you think of the show, what you think of us. Like, do you Who think is I, Mephisto? Yeah. Do you think I smell stinky? Like, do you have a problem with our Mephisto jokes? Do you know who Mephisto actually is? That's what I want to hear. I'm going to say this. I'll consider putting any voicemail on the air. But if you work in Mephisto, it's automatically on the air. I don't care what you say. <laughs> It'll be on the air. It's a promise. Maybe if you throw in racial slurs, I'll beep you a bunch. But, like, outside of that. Yeah, I mean, we don't want to go the Jeff Carlin route. No. But, like, if you want to yell vagina, 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 I'll put you on, dude. <laughs> as long as you work in Mephisto into that. Like, talk about Mephisto's vagina. Don't work into Mephisto into vagina. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. We're also going to put a poll up, and I meant to bring this up earlier, but tell me who you think on that short list Lorne Michaels would pick. Assuming that this short list is still where it was a year ago, who do you think out of that five would be? So I'll have all the choices up. You have to go to Anchor for this one. I think maybe on Spotify too, but if you want to participate in the poll, or you can tell me in the voicemail, that works too. All right, so moving on. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. So apparently a source went out and told the Hollywood reporter that the reshoots were because they were inspired by Loki and No Way Home and wanted more cameos. So it wasn't so much that, like, the order was fucked with all the reshoots they're doing. It's just, like, they wanted to work in more multiverse stuff. Nice. Do we think this is real? I kind of think it's real. I I think they looked at the scenes that worked best in Loki, and it was all multiverse stuff, and they probably looked at the final cut of the Spider-Man one, and they were like, fuck, let's keep this train rolling. This is going right from that Spider-Man movie, you know? Yeah. I loved all the crossover stuff and No Way Home. It was... So who would you like to see for, like, multiverse stuff? Like, let's try and keep it to, like, realistic for this movie. So there is a theory that's going around, and I don't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but I've heard about it around. And one theory is that Bruce Campbell will be in it playing Ash, which technically could happen because Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell have the rights to that character. So that could happen, but I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they would do that I with MCU. I don't see that. But the other theory about Bruce Campbell I really like. So he was supposed to play Mysterio in Spider-Man 4 had it ever happened. And obviously it didn't happen, but there's like concept art of it. And I don't remember if the screenplay is available or not online, but it's definitely been talked about and that they were going to have Bruce Campbell do Mysterio. What if we got like a Mysterio variant that was Bruce Campbell? That'd be pretty fucking cool, right? Yeah. And that's somebody who works with Doctor Strange well, I would think, because it's somebody who creates illusions, right? And Doctor Strange can do that as well. That could be interesting. Not as a main villain, just as like as a cameo, I think. Yeah. We need to get Nick Cage. <laughs> I don't care who. You don't want him to play a character per se. You just want Nick Cage. That would work. I'm, I'm cool with that. What but... if he played Noir Spider-Man? What if that was their trade-off? Oh. <laughs> and like, everywhere he went, it was raining. Like a the live action, but like Noir Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. This I want. What if they had Spider-Ham? No. 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 That's, I'm not That's interested. probably a bridge too far. I don't think Rami would do that one anyway. He's probably not doing He's probably going to have like horror-themed stuff, I think. I, I feel that Watching the trailer, it feels like it's kind of doing a horror thing. It would appear that one thing we are getting for sure, though, is the Supreme Sorcerer, right? 
Yeah. What about Strange Supreme? That's what I'm trying to think of. The guy from the What If episode who winds up collapsed into his own universe. Yeah. Because you show me a Doctor Strange who looks like he has eyeshadow all over his body, and I'm assuming it's the animated form of that. What if we get a live action uh, Watu? Yeah. I mean, like, I guess Watu would be in play with this, right? I mean, if we're going to play with the alternate universe Super Strange, then Owatu is definitely... So you have to put Jeffrey Wright in that role then. Yeah. Because he's a voice. Like, I was actually just watching the making of What If, like those assembled things that they have on Disney+. And I was watching What If, and they were just like, we thought of Jeffrey Wright immediately. (laughs) Like, that was their first and only choice for Owatu. So I can't imagine they'd go away from that. Yeah, it's going to be pretty interesting. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Back on the Bruce Campbell tip here. Just want to couch this by saying this was a throwaway comment when he said it. So don't get all excited. There's nothing in production. But they were asking him again if he was in the new Evil Dead movie. And he said, nope. And then they said, would you ever play Ash again if it was a cartoon? And he goes, yeah, I could do that. So, like, if they ever decide to go an animated Evil Dead, we could get a return of Bruce Campbell as Ash. So Make this happen. Let's make this happen, dude. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I just really hope this HBO Max movie is going to be fucking badass, you know? But, like, I could use an animated show as well. I would love to see an animated show that carries on in the future where he's in that crazy car and shit. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to see what happens there, you know. And the last bit of news I have here until we jump over to Carl. Ahsoka will have Grand Admiral Thrawn as the lead character in the upcoming series. Ahsoka will be seeking out Thrawn in order to find Ezra Bridger. And this should tie off the Rebels show. So Rebels is my favorite Star Wars thing. Like end stop. It's just my favorite thing of Star Wars. And I come by this honestly. It used to be Empire at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say, I think The Mandalorian could get there, but it needs at least another season before I could consider it, you know, for real being my favorite. But, like, I fucking love Rebels. It was so good. And it looks like they're just going to, like, finally tie off the storyline in live action form. So I'm very happy for this. I know you were doing a bit of an Ahsoka deep dive. Did you get into Rebels at all? I watched a handful of episodes and then kind of. So you watched in the beginning and tailed off. Yeah. Here's what I'll explain about Rebels. So basically, the first season is like this kind of carefree adventure thing. And they kind of introduce you to the new concepts. Like you have the Inquisitors who have the lightsabers that they can kind of fly with, right? And like they're going from adventure to adventure. And it's really fun. And they're having a great time. And then in season two, it opens with Grand Moff Tarkin fucking taking a Star Destroyer and just crushing this entire city with it. Like, he just lands it and crushes everything because that's where all the rebellion's coming from. And from that point on, it's not carefree. It's not super fun adventure anymore. It's got real stakes. And I think they do that on purpose because when you watch that first season and you're, like, kind of smiling or whatever watching it and it feels like almost like a kid's thing and then the shit gets dark and serious fast. And so it really puts you in that mind frame of like the stakes are really high. Like I forgot these villains are like fucking killers. I think that's when the show starts to get good. And then in season three, you get like Grand Admiral Thrawn. And that's when it's like angelic because he's maybe the best Star Wars villain ever. I was a fan of him in the Timothy Zahn novels back when we were in high school. Uh, they had the official uh, sequel trilogy, basically, that is not any longer the sequel trilogy. <laughs> it was at the time. 
And uh, Thrawn is the villain of that one. And he was great, but he kills him at the end of the trilogy, which fans were always kind of upset about because it's like you introduce this great villain and then you kill him off. And of course, he reappears in like little one shot things that take place earlier in the timeline or whatnot. But when Disney rebooted, they solved that error by like not retelling those stories. They had Timothy Zahn, who wrote him, come back in and reintroduce him into Star Wars. And they've been making him a bigger and bigger part. And the working theory is he's probably running the Empire in these off years we don't know about between the Mandalorian and the sequel trilogy. Like somebody's got to be helming the Empire, right? Didn't we get a Thrawn name drop in Mandalorian? Yeah, we might have with Ahsoka saying she was looking for him. Something like that. Yeah, because she's got to find Thrawn to find Ezra. Like, that's kind of what they led it to at the end of Rebels. So, yeah, I think so. I just, like, I'm super excited about this. And even if you haven't seen Rebels, I'm sure Filoni will put it in a way where you don't need to. But you'll be kind of rewarded if you do, right? Like, you see Ahsoka in Mandalorian. It doesn't matter if you don't have context for her. She's badass. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, it stands alone on its own, but like if you know backstory, it it's it's an extra level. Yeah, especially when you realize that's the person who whooped Darth Vader and the Emperor's ass back to back, dude. She whooped both of their ass. They all went into this fucking temple, and like the Emperor and Darth Vader go staggering out. She's fucking fine. <laughs> <laughs> she fucking rules, dude. I can't wait to see this live action series. I know Hayden Christensen is gonna be in it exactly what he's doing i don't know but it's probably like flashbacks to when he was anakin i'm guessing probably like they'll probably do the thing where like she'll remember certain conversations with him and they'll de-age him or something or maybe they're just having him play in the darth vader suit i mean he's gonna be in that obi-wan series and that's when he's in the darth vader suit so that was what he really wanted to do when he played Anakin, and he was upset that he didn't really get to do it in the prequels. I think they let him just do the the end scene with Vader where he's like, Vader, rise, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they're kind of Frankenstein moment. Yeah. So uh, you've been uh, following Dexter, New Blood? I fell behind on it. I don't know how many episodes I've seen, but I know I'm behind. This week just dropped episode seven. Yeah, I'm definitely not that far. Like, I know I haven't seen this week, but I don't think I might be like two or three behind. Yeah. If I'm being honest, I kind of fell behind because it's feeling like Bates Motel. I was worried it would become Bates Motel. And like, that's exactly what's happening. You know what I mean? When he goes to kill that one guy, I was saying, like, it'll be attached to drugs somehow, like, just watch. And now they're, like, attaching it to drugs. And then there's this, like, super rich guy who's, like, murdering people. So, like, we know of, like, two other murderers who aren't Dexter and his kid's a murderer. So since... There's, like, murderers everywhere in this show. <laughs> Batista's showing up and it doesn't make sense when he shows up. He's just, like, going around like he's a hero or something, talking about everything. When do you become a hero for, like big murder case when you don't solve that case you know what i mean yeah yeah they never solved the bay harbor butcher yeah it's fucking ridiculous dude oh so you can spoil it okay i'm gonna eventually watch it but i'm like haphazardly watching it now there's a podcaster that shows up a true right crime yeah podcaster, yeah i've seen her and she actually has an episode uh the bay harbor butcher yeah. Yeah. No, I saw I saw all of that because okay. that like triggers his kid to to yeah. basically murder somebody and then blame the other kid for it. Well, that was the Trinity killer. Mm. OK, so she's doing another episode. So she did an episode on the Bay Harbor Butcher. Gotcha. And 
basically they went with the it was Doke's story. That doesn't even make sense because, like, Dokes clearly gets killed way before that. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? I mean, they only show, like, three minutes of him listening to this podcast. Do they but, have Dokes' voice on it at all? Do they have a reco- recording where he's just like, yo, freak show, like, something like well, that? Well, they had, like, because uh, Dexter's listening to this podcast, and he's, like, remembering all the shit that they did to fucking Dokes, like, locking him up and blowing him up and like it flashed back to all that okay so we got a little bit of dokes but probably not new dokes like no, flashback no, dokes it's all stuff that's been oh recorded. god what if dokes followed him around <laughs> oh, what man. if we got ghost dokes that's uh, see, what i want see, dude forget about deborah dude that I is, want a, that is actually dokes. something i said oh, when yeah. the season started like ghost dokes would remember me motherfucker <laughs> That'd be great, dude. If like he oh, finally blow this motherfucker up too. He may he makes peace with Deborah, and she finally like goes off to the other side. Where because this is all in his head anyway. But she goes off to the other side, and he's just prepared to like do his killing thing and be guilt free. And then he opens the door to like like basically head out to like get his sheeting or whatever. And you hear surprise, motherfucker! And like there's dokes the rest of the time, just fucking hampering him, just being like, God damn it, Morgan, you're such a god damn loony like just all the time i would fucking love it dude that's what i want i want more dokes why did they kill dokes so early why didn't they give us ghost dokes they just keep fucking up dude <laughs> he's oh, probably man. gonna you know he's probably gonna end this one he would just what's like, worse than being a logger he'll probably wind up like sewing somewhere <laughs> like he'll wind up in pennsylvania <laughs> sewing a fucking outfit and that'll be how they end this fucking series god damn it dude sorry go ahead <laughs> You know, the best part about, like, having a ghost Oaks, because it would just, like, cause him to completely go unhit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dexter would just, like, when he's imagining Deborah, like, he can keep a pretty, like, straight face while he's, like, imagining this. But if he's got, like, dokes fucking with him in the brain, there is no way he keeps that under wraps. It ratchets up the tension in the show because it's dokes. <laughs> it makes the audience happier. It does three things. But the third thing is, let's be real. Like Michael C. Hall is acting against his ex-wife. That's probably not fun for either of them. And I'm sure they're there for the check and all. But like, it's probably not fun to have your ex-wife fucking scream at you every fucking day on set. You know what I mean? Get dokes screaming at you. That's way more fun. And then you can go get a sandwich with, like, whoever the actor is for Dokes. Yeah, I should know his name. I just know Dokes. <laughs> Why don't we know Dokes? Why isn't he an A-lister right now? Why didn't he play Luke Cage? Why didn't we get more Dokes, dude? <laughs> Fuck. That's who we need to bring in this or uh, MCU through the multiverse of man. Yeah, just Dokes. Not even him playing somebody else. Just bring in Dokes. Yeah. Just fucking Doctor Strange does his little spinny portal and like it comes through and it's like, is it going to be Reed Richards? Is it going to be Wolverine? Is it going to be Pietro? Surprise, motherfucker. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we got Carl here. Hey. So what you want to talk about first? Uh, Let's talk about the finale of Hawkeye. Okay. What'd you think? I enjoyed it. Basically, I made some predictions and then most of them came true. But they were easy predictions like Yelena and Kate are going to maybe fight one last time, but be on the same team by the end. Hawkeye and Clint and uh, and Yelena are going to fight, but he's really going to be trying to convince her that he didn't murder Natasha. Right. And uh, that was with the whistle. The little moment you have to watch Black Widow to pick up on. Yeah, that moment was 
I thought pretty, pretty well earned. Like they got there. They did a good job. I was shocked that Echo shoots Kingpin in the face. Let's, but I think talk about that for a second. I think that that is an interesting moment because it feels final, but it also doesn't feel final at all. Like in the moment it feels final, but looking at the greater, like they're, you know, they're setting stuff up for future series. So with that in mind, I want to 0% believe that Kingpin is dead. Yeah. I don't believe it either. So in the comics, that character shoots Kingpin in the head and he winds up going blind at least for a while. I don't know if, or maybe like in one eye. And so it's possible that's what they're doing. It's also possible she maybe shoots him in the gut or something and like leaves him bleeding out and he's fine. Or not even bleeding out. He's got so much bulk. There's another possibility that nobody's talking about because it happens off camera. It's it's just as likely is that maybe somebody comes out of the shadows and shoots her. And that's where Echo picks up too. Like that's entirely possible. There's a lot of there's because it was off camera. Anything is possible at this point. Yeah. Uh, Also, last week I brought brought up an article they didn't know this for sure but their belief was that uh this kingpin is a different kingpin from the netflix shows but we have gotten straight up confirmation now from the directors of the hawkeye series that it is the same kingpin from the show what i'm noticing and i think we can just kind of assume this across the board now is that if kevin feige wasn't involved with it that it's just not going to be canon anymore and he's gonna or it'll be canon but a different facet of the multiverse right like that's that's their built-in excuse for everything is like all the netflix stuff is canon but it's like in a different multiverse so it's like it it doesn't matter to the story kevin feige saying i've never felt like anything is canon if it only goes one way and in all the Netflix shows, they only went one way. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Until... did go both ways, but because you had that one with Winter Soldier where they have Sitwell, like he betrays them and it ties right into the middle of the movie of Winter Soldier. And then you have the fallout from that. So like they did have one particular incident that went both ways. So, so you can look at it as me, a multiverse well, thing. So this is it though. For me, one plot is not enough. You need three. You need three instances. They definitely didn't have three. And they don't have three because, and I only say three because, you know, you, you can't see a, like if you're graphing, you can't see a line. You can't prove that something is a line until you have three points. Fair. Uh, so I just kind of use that as an arbitrary rule. Like it's just a coincidence until you have three. But going off of multiverse stuff anyway, like you can have something that plays out the same way and then goes in a different direction. Right. Cause we're seeing over and over again, they've been very expressive that like Marvel's agents of shield is not canon anymore. Right. right? Like we've had at least two examples. Now we have the dark hold. Yep. Right. And the, WandaVision. And then in this episode, we find out who Linda Cardinelli is playing. Who the fuck is I want to say Mockingjay, and that is not right. Mockingbird. <laughs> Mockingbird. That's right. Bobby Morse is Mockingbird's real name. Like the thing is, is they've just really, really shifted Hawkeye's character around. Like Linda Cardellini's character, her character's name in the show is the name of a character that exists in the comics. And Bobby Morse is also a character that's existed in the comics. They're different people, but Hawkeye's been married to them both. And in My Life as a Weapon, what the source material that was directly adapted for this show, he's just a single guy with no kids and two (laughs) ex-wives, maybe one ex-wife. But like at one point, 
him and Bobby Morse Mockingbird are married, then they get divorced, and then they run the West Coast Avengers together. They have a working partnership. The girl that played Mockingbird, although they never gave her the name, she's just Bobby Morse in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. She is somebody who has been in so many failed like superhero shows she was wonder woman i believe in the failed wonder woman pilot and she's really easy to identify because she's got that like birthmark on her forehead once i was aware of her it was like oh she's been in lots of things that yeah she's I've seen that in has a, not and, lasted yeah like everything she's in dies she was in she actually was going to do a spin-off from agents of shield called agents of shield most wanted and from everything i heard the pilot was really good but it was right as like the Whedons were getting kind of shuffled away from the MCU. Right. And Perlmutter was getting the boot and they were doing some major reorganizing within the MCU behind the scenes. That was one of the casualties of that Yeah, was that her show then didn't get picked up. Because I think she would have been a fantastic Mockingbird in the MCU proper. Yeah. I would like to see uh, Chloe Bennett come back and play Quake in the MCU. I thought she was a fantastic I, I character think, in I the- think we've seen here that Kevin Feige if he likes the performance he'll bring them in to I would reprise not, it I would not be surprised to see Chloe Bennett show up as Quake post Miss Marvel because I have a theory the Miss Marvel show is going to bring Inhumans officially into the MCU because I don't think they're going to Oh they are taking that shit out of canon I like, don't yeah. think they're going to make yeah they're definitely taking Inhumans out of canon yeah <laughs> like whatever in and the easiest way to do that is to introduce an Inhuman that was in that show with a different actor right? and to have Terra the Terra Genesis thing that happens yeah happen in because that's a her story show. for because that's her, Marvel. her origin story can also be the origin of, of Inhumans in the MC. Yeah. And true. I think that would be the smart play as far as my, in my opinion, that'd be the smart play for bringing in humans into the MCU proper. For people not in the know that the Terrigen Mist is basically something I believe the Kree. Yep. Experimented on humans like centuries ago. Yes. And then occasionally this mist will like come up. There's and a anybody who breathes it in becomes an inhuman. has the gene, the modified genes oh, from right. the Kree. Yes. So some people are fine and some people are just Actually, transform in bizarre ways. you are not an inhuman and you undergo teragenesis, you straight up die. It kills you. Right. You're right. Yeah. So it's bad. Like there were some moments we lost a character in a season in one season. There was a great character in. Oh, one I'm, season I'm of, thinking about it Agents from the comic books, honestly. Like uh, I in, didn't get that far. <laughs> in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there was one character who I really liked. He was like a descendant of one of the. Oh, what is that team called from Captain America? First Avenger? The the team. Y yeah, I know what of you're like saying. soldiers. The Howling Commandos. Yes. This guy, Trip, I think was his name. Which was run by was Nick it? Fury in the comics. Yeah. Because Nick Fury is like <laughs> old as like shit. A million years old. Yeah. Uh, the character of Trip was a descendant. He was like the grand, great grandson or the grandson of, of a Howling Commando. This is post-Shield getting disintegrated from the inside by Hydra. And they're kind of on the run. And Trip like goes and gets a bunch of his dad's old World War II gadgets. They've got like these old school World War II era special 
devices that are like goofy and shit because it was like the Cold War in the 70s and the 60s and not nano 2000, right. <laughs> whatever. Not the modern version. Yeah. And that was an interesting thing. But then he's like in the room with Chloe when the Terrigen mist comes in and she gets turned into an inhuman and he just gets turned into ash based. Like you get covered in carbon and it's like a shell. And an inhuman will like bust out of the shell and be like, oh, I have these new powers. I look different or I have a power now. When like the shell covers them, they just crumble. Like their whole body gets turned into carbon basically. And then they just die. Yeah. But like the the one good thing I'll say about like the Marvel's Avengers video game that came out like two years ago that everybody hates because it's really bad. And it is really bad, except the main storyline is the origin of Miss Marvel. And it also is the transformation of MODOK. At the beginning of Marvel's Avengers, there's like a scientist and he's just a human guy. But then as the game progresses and time goes on, every time you see him in a new cutscene, he's like more of a mode he's like looking more and more like modok until by the end of the fucking game he's full-on modok big ass head with the little Floaty tiny arms chair. And, yep <laughs> and it is fantastic it's actually one of the coolest things i've seen in a marvel video game is getting to sort of go along with his descent into yeah because ro- i've, I've never seen that before like with modok he just is right you know? and you don't and even I've, he I've has heard, a whole i've back heard his origin. backstory yeah. is like he made himself that way like gradually yeah but i've never seen it it's pretty cool and it works real it's like a good it's it works good like by the end it's all feels very earned but the game itself is just the gameplay is bad yeah it's the big issue well going back to hawkeye you were talking earlier about how there was no real surprises in the show which i agree with and it feels like a hallmark of a lot of these disney plus shows where it's like Maybe you get a surprise or two, but like the finale is there's never a surprise. You always can tell how it's going to wrap up and it's a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like you may not get all the details of how it wraps up, but you know, the broad strokes. Loki, I wasn't surprised with the way it ended, but I really enjoyed the way that they ended it. Like, I felt like that was a finale they really, really landed. And I think What If was pretty good at at surprising people with some of their ends just because of the nature of what the show was. Sometimes you don't know exactly what direction it's going to go in by the end. You might have a better chance of guessing if you're super, super familiar with all the characters involved. Yeah. And all the different things that have happened to them over the course of different things. But even like, for example, Killmonger, like who would have thought it ended where it ended you know where he's like basically in charge typically when you have a a villain character like that like they get their comeuppets but right and i know he he probably does later but whatever like um but i did want to ask you so where's your ranking of these disney plus marvel shows right now just take the temperature now that hawkeye's done how would you rank them out because i think i think i still go loki number one my ranking is the same as it was when i this show started which is Loki at number one, Hawkeye at number two, WandaVision at three, Winter Soldier, Falcon at number four, What If at number five. Yeah, I've been thinking about this and rewatching stuff and really, really thinking about it. And so I'm going to go Loki one, 
I am going to probably go, what if two? And I know that sounds insane, but I'm going to be honest. When we talked about this before, you and Brandon were in the room and you guys were so adamant, like it's an animated show. You can't really like, like I went along with it, even though there was a tug at my heartstrings. So I'm just going to be very real about it. Like what if is my number two? (laughs) Okay. Um, I'm going to go Hawkeye three. I'd probably elevate WandaVision because I was watching this making of of it and it made me think of like what a big swing it was. Even though I wasn't in love with the last three episodes, I thought that like the big swing they took was worth it. Falcon and Winter Soldier number five, but I really enjoyed Falcon and Winter Soldier. Like I thought that that second to last episode, that penultimate episode, Bucky and uh, Falcon become actual friends. And Falcon decides he wants the mantle and he's training and they have all that conversation with the Zeta Bradley about like picking up the shield and stuff like that. Like to me, that's that was still the best episode, episode of Disney plus. Like I, it's one of my favorite Marvel things, period in the MCU. So I think I elevated a little too high. <laughs> Honestly, ranking these is, is it makes it seem like the ones at the bottom we didn't like, but we st- even number I've fives them all. are good. Yeah. yeah. And like, I didn't really like enjoy, enjoy what if I just was like, sure. What if, what if? Yeah. But I, I don't, I think there was a few low moments. I think the the Peggy Carter one had potential to be great. And we saw it with the character later in the finale. But like that first episode was real bad, to be honest, because it just felt like too much of a first Avenger retread. I really, really enjoyed so many of the episodes and had so much fun with the little stuff that they did that it was just a lot of fun for me. It's the multiversal fun that I really enjoy on, but let's move on. So Tom Holland gave a quote that I wanted to bring up because it it's going to have something that you're going to immediately seize on. And it's going to have something that I'm immediately going to seize on. And I think they're going to be different things. Okay. He was asked the question of our MCU movies, real movies, some version of that, you know, and he was saying, you can ask Scorsese, would you want to make a Marvel movie? But he doesn't know what it's like because he's never made one. I've made Marvel movies and I've also made movies that have been in the conversation in the world of Oscars. And the only difference really is one was more expensive than the other. But the way I break down the character, the way the director etches out the arc of the story and the characters, it's all the same, just done on a different scale. So I do think they're real art. Does it, is there anything you take away from that quote that you want to like expand on or as he's defending comic book movies as real art? Yeah. I honestly, I thought you were going to seize on the Scorsese thing immediately. That usually sets you off. (laughs) I think I missed that part. Yeah. He, he, he started out the quote with, uh, you can ask Scorsese, would you want to make a Marvel movie? And basically he doesn't understand is what Tom Holland is saying. Well, the thing I wanted to seize on here is that he said he's been in movies that have been in the conversation in the world of the Oscars. I mean, was that conversation? Yeah, we don't need to consider this Tom Holland movie for the Oscars because like, name me one movie that was legit in the conversation for an Oscar that Tom Holland has been in. Like, I have been enjoying parsing his quotes for a while, but this is one of the most insane things he said. He has done no movies that have been in the conversation of an Oscar. Can you think of one? Unless it's like special effects. And which it would be a Spider-Man movie, you know? I was thinking this movie, The Devil, all the time. Never heard of it. Pretty highly rated. It's got Tom Holland and Bill Skarsgård and Sebastian Stan and Robert Pattinson and a bunch of people. And I think it went, it was like a pandemic movie that went straight to Netflix, but that it was considered good. I don't know. I'm looking at what he's got. 
like I'm, I'm I didn't looking hear at his, any conversation around that movie, to be honest. The Impossible. What's that? <laughs> Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, Tom Holland. No. <laughs> director J.A. Bayona. Definitely not. Oscar nominee for Best Performance. Okay. 28 wins and 70 nominations. This movie got 28 wins and 70 nominations. That doesn't mean anything. It d- depends on what the nominations All are. All he was saying was that he's been in movies that have had Oscar conversations surrounding them. And I'm saying them. that's not – You don't think that's that – That's not a real thing. <laughs> I think what that are the... this movie that he was in had Oscar conversations about okay, it. Okay, what are the festivals it wins? Because you can say that, but then sometimes those festivals are things we've never heard of. So can you name some big festivals out of that? Specifically, I can't name cinema festivals. <laughs> like I know well, if you Cannes, click on, if you're looking Sundance. on IMDb, if you look at the thing, and yes, you're right, Cannes, Sundance, Venice. That's it. Like if it doesn't win something at one of those three, it, it's not in the Oscar conversation. It's just if, not. It can be not if it's nominated. It's in an Oscar conversation, and it was on nominated. Nominated for. But, an Oscar for what? Just for Naomi Watts. <laughs> ACTA International Award nominee, Best Actress. Asa Can Award nominee, Best Spanish Film. J.A. Bayona. Saturn Award nominee. Yeah, see, Saturn is like a fantasy thing. Excellence in Production Design, Art Directors Guild. Awards, Circuit Community Awards, Broadcast Film Critics Association Awards. Why are now why are these things just because these things are less well known than the Oscars doesn't mean that they're there's less... a specific reason. And if you follow the horse race, you know this. There's like a couple of things that people pay attention much, to. No, I just know how the, on... I know how this works because the guilds that vote on this stuff. So you're talking about the directors guild, the screen actor guild. Like those guilds, right? They are paying attention to three festivals and only three festivals for who to like pay attention to from their screeners. They're paying attention to Venice. They're paying attention to Cannes and they're paying attention to Sundance. That's it. It's those three and no other film festivals. Now you can grab awards from those and still grab awards on the bigger ones. If you're not at least nominated for big prizes in one of those three, it just doesn't happen. It's like a process because you get mailed like a thousand screeners. You can't possibly go through every single one. And so people do this process of elimination and it's always like those three that people are paying attention to. It didn't always look this way, but it's looked this way for like the last 20 years. That's the only reason why I say it. He was in uh, he was in Doolittle. <laughs> okay, let's move on. <laughs> so did you want to talk about the Matrix Resurrections? I here? think you no, I want to go back to this Tom Holland thing. You think that just because he was in movies like Endgame got buzz, Oscar buzz? But just because it got it just because it got buzzed for the wrong thing, you're like, oh, hold oh, on, it didn't get buzzed for like Scorsese. He separated this. He separated this as MCU movie and movie that we're getting Oscar buzz. You can't have it both if you're looking at it that way. You can't have it both the way that he phrased this. So it's got to be one or the other. Then there, but like maybe the movie Onward, just because the movie Onward got maybe buzzed just for being an animated film, it got no. Buzz Buzz and it was Maybe the first Pixar. In hold, on, hold on, hold on. It was the first Pixar movie to bomb. And I loved Onward. I absolutely loved it, but it got no buzz. I mean, West Side Story bombed. Yeah. And there's no buzz around it either. There's so much buzz. <laughs> there was buzz before it came out. Now there's no buzz. This is what happens. Like when you drop like a wet sack of flour, Man, it's 
Especially if you're Spielberg, people are Every like. Every time eh. Spielberg talks, all I hear is a buzz, 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 buzz. Yeah, because he's a one of the biggest directors ever, dude. I'm a fucking annoying mosquito. <laughs> that's the thing. Drink your that's blood. the thing with Spielberg. If it's not going to be commercially <laughs> viable, people are going to ignore it right away because, like, they expect a higher bar from Spielberg. So this is what I think. I think that all movies are bullshit now. <laughs> all of them? All of them. Okay. Fuck Cronenberg's making one. Good luck, I dude. I know. <laughs> it's going to suck. Dude, I am not a fan of his late career very much. Like, the movies aren't bad, but they don't have that Body thing. horror. <laughs> they don't have that thing that, like, made his earlier movies good they don't have that i don't know they just don't have it they don't every, have it everybody has a peak They're right so like every director has shiny. a peak his movies are like shiny now they never used to be shiny it does feel you know like I mean? he wanted to win an oscar for a while like am i wrong on that it feels like his movies were going in the direction of hey i'm a serious yeah. director i want people to take me serious like i i'm he, getting it these did oscar feel like nominations he was really trying like the two vigo mortensen ones he did Mm-hmm. And then, actually, the three Vigo Mortensen ones. I think he did four. Because <laughs> I forgot that Vigo Mortensen is in A Dangerous Method. Yeah. Where he plays Carl Jung. Oh, wait. That was a play I was thinking of. He did a play with so Vigo Mortensen. So he did History of Violence with Vigo Mortensen. That's a comic book adaptation. Eastern Promises. Then he did Eastern Promises. And then he did Dangerous Method. I don't know if there's something in between. I don't know if he did Cosmopolis with Robert Pattinson in between those two. But I know that he made those three movies. And they all really do. Especially Dangerous Method. Dangerous Method is like, let's watch Michael Fassbender and Viggo Mortensen play like two of the biggest names in psychoanalysis of all time. Sigmund Freud and So you know it's going to be Young. about talking. <laughs> and then they have this weird like thruple kind of messed up situation with this patient of theirs it's very uneth like you real you really learn just how unethical psychiatrists were when it was a burgeoning field and had not yet been embraced as like a real science i don't know if it even has still it might still be kind of a pseudoscience or a quasi science it's really difficult to devise an experiment that involves the human mind that you can actually get actionable evidence from my wife's you know I mean? like almost got her master's in psychology. So I I'm know. just going to abstain from this. No, no, no. And let you... But what I'm saying is like, <laughs> here's the thing though, is like you can devise an experiment that like tests sort of behavioral things, but you can't trust that a person is telling you the truth or that they even are able to interpret their own senses accurately. You just, there's no way to prove that. There's no way to prove that a person is sad, right? Or there's no way to prove that, when a person sees a TV show that it makes them feel a certain way, like based on what they're reporting to you, right? It involves too much self-investigation and there's just no way to accurately prove that any of the, it's true. You yeah, can't do, I'm you can't trust to, another human being. I'm not going down this rabbit hole with you. It's too dangerous for me. <laughs> I don't, why? I'm not, I'm I am married to right. somebody who's working on her master's I degree. know, but that doesn't mean that the thing that she's studying, I'm not saying that the thing she's studying is bullshit. I'm just saying it's not like. Provable. You, you, I hear you. You I really you. have to take most, like in, in a specific sense. I think that psychology is more accurate when you're looking at averages when you're spreading out things 
we're looking at an entire demographic of people, not at an individual. And you can kind of aggregate responses and say, okay, within this margin of error, we think that it's most like we're, we can, we can guess at this with reasonable certainty, but there's just no absolute certainty. You know, like there are no laws of science in psychology, the way there are laws of science in physics or astronomy or the one thing I've learned with this stuff is like, I used to armchair psychiatry all the time and uh there's too many factors we'll have it do it yeah having somebody who like has textbooks all over the house i have learned that like i was completely full of shit that like there's so much more to this stuff that like i don't know and so that's also why i'm abstaining is like i know enough of about about it to know that i don't know shit so (laughs) i'm just i'm just gonna well and that's kind of my that's kind of my point is that I think Amanda would agree with what I said because she has this knowledge. Oh, it's not out of a fear of my wife. It's just like I've had the textbooks around You're and right. I occasionally like flip through them and I'm like, it's so much and so dense. I just like, I absolutely know I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It's fine for you to like postulate on it. I just like, I'm afraid to even open my mouth at this point because I've seen enough to know. Sure. Like Coward. that I don't know. <laughs> so you want to talk about the Matrix? So I didn't get around to watching this. I was gung-ho to watch it, but every time I had a chance, I wound up editing or something because basically I had four people, three out of four were foaming at the mouth in like utter hatred of this movie. And then there was you who was like, uh, it's not good, but it's it's worth watching. I think it's what you said. That was the best review I heard of it. So I don't think it's bad. I abstain. I don't from think it. it's not good. I think it is good. Like I I'm gonna it. watch it. I'm just not in a rush to watch it now. So here's the weird thing: is that if I was gonna compare it to another movie, this is the movie that I would compare it to. Adaptation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is a weird one to compare the Matrix to, but in this movie has so much meta commentary about the Matrix within it. I I heard it kind of sounded like the director was, it was almost a fuck you to Warner Brothers because they gave her the situation where it was like, either you make a Matrix movie or somebody else is going to make a Matrix movie. One of the things they've done in this movie is they've made it so that Neo is back in the Matrix. He's John Anderson or whatever, Mr. Anderson. And he is like a billionaire game designer who created the Matrix trilogy as a trilogy of video games. They come to him in the movie and they say, we're making another Matrix game. It's a sequel to the trilogy. And basically we're making it because they said, Warner Brothers said, we're making another Matrix and you can be involved or you can not be involved, but it's getting made whether you like it or not. And so if you want any control over it whatsoever, you're going to come back. And to me, that did feel like a parallel to something that might have happened in real life. But I also don't know if Warner Brothers would be particularly cool with being dragged like that oh, by dude. their own movie. Can this I is push back on that? For no, just because a I'm not done talking. Okay. <laughs> it's blatant. It's not like a subtle jab. It's not like a joke. It's just the plot of this fucking movie. They straight up come at him and say, you're making this because we're not going to, because it's getting made. And if it was like, If that was based off of something that like really happened, I feel like there would be legitimate bad. Like maybe that's why Lily's not involved at all. I think that if it is based on truth, it's also blown 
greatly out of proportion. They make it seem dire in the movie, but I'm pretty sure that nobody involved with that was like getting angry about it, you know? Okay, I have a very simple pushback against this. When the Matrix was greenlit, they had one CEO. They are on their second or third CEO since that happened. And there's been realignments in their entertainment division with every single time they've replaced the person at the top. It is very possible that it was very dripping with like sarcasm and maybe turn that way because it went to a different person who is in charge. And they're like, yeah, it's fine because it was a jab at their predecessor. Like, that's a thing that very well could have happened because like DC with all the turnover, sorry, Warner I Brothers has turned over from the top down. So they were like, oh, that's not a jab at years. us. That's a jab at this previous exactly. CEO. I mean, but they don't mention any CEOs. They say Warner I, Brothers, though. They I know, straight up say Warner Brothers. I, I, I hear you, like, but I also think it like it I just makes feel it like, easier for the people at the top to be like, yeah, it's fine. I because, just feel like, like they're jabbing at somebody else. Yeah. I like just, Warner Brothers is messy, dude. It's just messy. Look at what they've done in the last couple of years it's fucking messy they've alienated all their directors you know what i mean like and part of it is because they feel like nobody's got the steering wheel that's at the top yeah why does there have to be a guy at the top of the steering wheel oh right because we're so anti-communist in this country that just working alongside other people is bad there has to be a guy controlling everything at the very top it's not that it's like there's a guy at the top who makes these decisions that are immediately (sighs) undone by the next guy at the top. Well, I just that's, think it's that's stupid. The point. What I was getting at, though, is just like how authoritarian capitalism really is. Because <laughs> oh. there just like has to be a guy at oh, the yeah, top. Oh, yeah, I agree. That and makes look at the, the mess. final decision. Warner Brothers is a perfect Ugh. example of a mess of capitalism, too, Ugh. right? Like you have a guy at the top and he puts all these people in charge who are supposed to be in charge of all these divisions and oversee it. And they're supposed to be ideally good at their job. And you know, like make a good product. And then that guy gets ousted and this other guy comes in and then he's like fires everybody down below to like meet his philosophy. And so like there's ripple effects all throughout. Some people get promoted. Some people get kicked out. New people come in. So right when they're trying to find out what they're doing, that dude gets ousted for sexual harassment and a woman comes in and then she like fires everybody again. Like it's Utter fucking chaos. This is like capitalism at its absolute worst because it's kind like, of amazing the machine that, keeps marching on, but like the product is suffering. It's amazing that anything remotely good even comes out of Warner Brothers these days, honestly. Like the fact like there's clearly people that are very talented that are trying their hardest because they're like inside a constant like a building that's constantly falling over it's like all it's it never actually hits the ground but it's always toppling yeah i feel like hbo has been the only consistent during these times like hbo has consistently maintained their level of content and that's because they're only owned they're only owned by warner brothers they're not controlled by warner brothers at all they clearly have their own i mean john oliver is always like yelling at his business daddy right like you get away with that because they're really hands-off because they're like everybody comes in and they're like hbo knows about business doing. daddy it's never warner brothers it's like the actual parent right, company that's exactly. over the top it's of like them. Verizon they're like a different whoever. they're like like there's a bigger company at the top and warner brothers is one or tentacle AT&T, of the sorry. octopus and then hbo is just an entirely different tentacle. It's a little suction cup on that on a different tentacle yeah <laughs> yeah but like about the the matrix itself like i'm i'm genuinely surprised. like what did they want from this movie that they were so disappointed by it there were moments that i thought were great 
and not like mind blowing, like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. But like, there's a moment where, for example, Neo and Trinity are holding hands and they're going to jump off a building together and they're going to fly or they're going to die. Right. And then they they jump and they're falling and they're falling and then they, you're not falling. But it's not because Neo learned how to fly. It's because Trinity figured out how to fly. And so he's like hanging there and she's holding on to him like saving him when that moment happened i was like "Ooh, there's some fucking guys in the world that hate women that are really gonna hate this fucking scene you know and for me that made it better because i'm like yes you make like the pushback. all of the make all the misogynists cry all that the people fa- screaming that, about like, red pill that the thing that is like that they've tried to co-opt <laughs> is not letting them co-opt it anymore you know we talked about this a couple episodes back but let's just recap this really quick how ridiculous it is that they co-opted this these films by directors who both transitioned into being females that had orgy scenes with like all sorts of people like so much of it like you have a black person who's in charge who's like letting neo know the truth like these movies were so not about what these people have glommed onto it's very obviously the opposite of what they thought it's it's but that's the thing about the right is that they are not artists. They're not. They're not artists because art is a way of exploring beyond the status quo. That is like the purpose of art is to break the status quo. And conservatives don't want to fucking do that. They like the status quo. They are the establishment. Art is inherently anti-establishment because it's about creativity and not drawing within the lines. And so they can't create their own shit. So they fucking steal other people's shit and like just rearrange it. That's like the most creative thing that they can do is rearrange somebody else's art so that it I mean, tells a story that isn't they that, Isn't that a lot tell. of what's happening in Hollywood though, is you're just taking like a movie and then you're just like, what if we like change this element and this element to it? And then you spin it back out with the same title or you're just blatantly ripping off something like so much of that is uncreative and just cookie cutter, bringing it out and out and out and out. Right. And out. Like it's, it's not exclusive I think to the right wing. You're getting at, it's just the only thing they have available to them I, is what I'm saying. Like I everybody think copies is everybody like, else is like good art, right? Like, I, no, I'm like, saying that, Because bad art exists and it's everywhere. And copying something is not bad art. It's not inherently bad. Like if you put your own little twist on it. What I'm saying is that everybody rips each other off. But the right wingers, that's all they're capable of. When you see Dennis Miller uh, being an anti-vaxxer. And he's like, isn't it crazy? He's like acting like it's insane to get vaccinated. When it's like, it's a pretty sane thing to do. Yeah, get it back. <laughs> it's it's the whole. I don't understand the science of this argument, and it's like, yeah, you're not a scientist, or dude. like maybe you know what's really uh, okay. Here's what I was really <laughs> thinking of with Dennis Miller. It was not a vaccination thing. There is an old stand-up special. It's not that old. It's like 2000s era stand-up special where he's like talking about climate change and global warming, and he's literally just saying things that are scientific facts, but he's saying them in a voice that makes what he's saying sound stupid, right? And that's like the thing that they, that's like the best thing they can do is say things that are true and accurate, but say it in a dumb voice. So even if it's scientifically accurate, I sound stupid saying it. So I guess 
what I'm saying is also stupid. Right. But really, I'm just saying the, it in a stupid voice. The liberal version of that? the So that's like the lazy conservative it's thing, It's so right? lazy. Like the lazy liberal thing, if I could just like push against the other side a little bit, is to Oh, yeah. Let's say, both sides this. Let's both – thanks yeah, let's for both, both sizing no, no. this. This is for lazy <laughs> – this is for lazy liberals, okay? I'm calling you out lazy liberals. Like There's a bunch of you. They're the ones that just say what the conservatives say, but they say it in a dumb voice. Yeah. As if like that constitutes a joke. Yep. It doesn't constitute it a doesn't. joke. You have to put a spin on it. You do. Quit being lazy. <laughs> Quit being lazy. There's enough lazy comedians out there. Yeah. There's plenty of them. We don't need more. We want clever comedians. <laughs> okay. So we're going to wrap this up. I am going to talk about licorice pizza next week. Uh, I'm not going to listen. Yeah, I know. I'm going to talk about it Call with Brandon. because I Paul W. Sanderson. <laughs> Different Paul Anderson. No. Same guy. <laughs> anyway, take it easy. Please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Follow us on Instagram at redwood underscore sound underscore labs, Facebook at facebook.com slash redwood sound labs, or email us at notsafernetwork at gmail.com. Not Safe for Network was created by Carl Borneman, Brandon Beardsley, and Alex Small. Produced by Alex Small. A podcast about the narrative and effective politics of war movies and their productions, too. Charles Horgan and Aaron Donaldson bring you a brand new podcast, The Real War Project. Dip in and out of subjects with Lauren and Sarah's irreverent points of view with the hilarious podcast, Dippers. Catch up with the week's pop culture news as well as reviews of new movies and shows, not to mention the occasional interview with Carl, Brandon, and Biggs on Not Safe for Network. Wrestlers wrestle, but sometimes they make movies too. This podcast lets you know how they do. Listen to Eric and Connor in all three seasons of Movies with Wrestlers. One by one, Jeremiah and Biggs break down influential movies and some wretched ones too in the podcast you can't miss, A Cosmic Void.